0: Really, I probably should go back kind of 10 years when I started
1: to realise that I love talking about sex. The, how do these young people get to that point where they'll be able to say, I'm comfortable having these conversations with my partner to be?
0: And just be, being able to say, has this ever happened to you? is so important because, you know, we, we there's so many things that we feel so alone about because they're not talked about, mm-hmm. but actually if you did a straw poll everybody has experienced it in some way somebody for everybody and i think that's the important thing is is you know there's whole communities and you know you you don't have to put yourself into a little box and mm-hmm. and you know if you want to experiment like you said if you're safe and, and it's consensual go for your life have a great time
1: Refreshingly Real, Refreshingly Honest, Refreshingly Human, a podcast about human connections, shared experiences, and finding that line of humanity, with your host, Hannah Pillow. Hi everyone, welcome back to Refreshingly Human, I'm your host, Hannah Pillow. Guys, we've been having a lot of fun this season talking about sex, right? And I mean, of course, it's fun to talk about sex, but a lot of serious issues have been raised this season. I think that's something that cannot be stressed enough. And I'm so glad to have with me today Leanne Matthews, who is a sex advocate. So I just want to give you a little brief introduction to who Leanne is and why I wanted her on my show. So Leanne is a sex advocate. She's from Bristol, uh, sorry, Bristol, UK. And when I spoke to Leanne the first time, what I really loved about her was her passion. So you guys know I am all about passion and authenticity in in any field. It doesn't matter how many followers you have, whether you're well-established or you know, whether you're just starting out in the field. When I spoke to Leanne, what really resonated with me was that she has the passion and the experience and the wisdom to share an important message with all of us. Leanne is also so dedicated that she had listened to every single episode of this podcast well, of the season, especially, two times over, so she could bring to you some extensive notes about the season. What is, she, what is she going to do exactly? Well, she's going to help us connect the dots. As you know, All we are all about finding that line of humanity here on Refreshingly Human. So we've shared many stories so far. Leanne's going to connect all those dots for us. She's going to find that line of humanity, that common ground, but she's also going to dive deeper into how we can overcome and deconstruct messages about sex that might be damaging to us right now. Because I know for me personally, it has definitely been an unlearning exper- experience when it comes to sex. Um, I cannot stress how much this season has helped me just Become a lot more open. I mean, all right, I am quite open with my sexuality already, but it's it's really just taught me so much already. Um, it, it's made me start questioning so many things, and I'm gonna get to that in my own episode. I also just want to stress that this is not the end of the season. Um, Leanne is going to be the mid-season break, who is going to connect the line of humanity for our stories so far. But coming up after Leanne's episode, we have many more stories to share with you. Um, We know we have stories from people who have had some abusive relationships. Uh, We have uh, some polygamous stories coming up. And I will be having another sex advocate on the show by the end of the season. And then, of course, you have my episode to look forward to, The Hannah Story, which I know you guys are really excited for. I'm going to be so excited to record that. So, yes, let's jump into it with Leanne. And um, I'm not going to keep you too long, which is my blah, blah, blahs. <laughs> let's give the mic over to Leanne now and let her share her wisdom with us. Hi, Leanne. Hi, thank you for having me. You're welcome. So Leanne is a sex positive advocate, and her, her goal is to encourage more open con- conversations about sex. Right. So I see you've really yeah. been enjoying the season.
0: I have loved it. I've loved it. When you when um, when we spoke originally, you were like, just listen to a little bit, and we'll we'll chat. And I've I've listened to so far all three from this season. I've listened to twice.
1: <laughs> twice wow yeah twice. you know i do like whenever i get someone who's like an authority in the industry or whatever uh, or an expert in the industry i like to get them to listen to other people's stories before coming on but i also don't want to like force them to listen to a podcast <laughs> at the same time so I'm like even if you just listen to one or two episodes it's fine <laughs> but they usually end up binging the whole thing <laughs>
0: yeah it's so easy to listen to as well and i think it's it's great what you're doing um you know with your whole podcast not just this this season that you're kind of normalizing being human and I really
1: like that oh that's amazing I'm glad it's coming through I'm glad it's coming through (laughs) so where do you want to start Leah and I see like you told me Mm. you've made like three pages of notes yeah um I I think that maybe for the sake of the listeners we could start with you and your own journey of um sex growing up I think that would be a good place
0: yeah sure so um really i probably should go back kind of 10 years when i started to realize that i love talking about sex and i i it was that kind of moment that i realized that i can be quite alone in that or you know other people aren't quite so open about it as i am i i worked in uh, i worked for ann summers for a little while just as a side hustle um alongside my full-time job and what I loved about it was whether I was working in the shop or doing the, the parties, people would just open up in that space. And, you know, people would come into the shop off the street that you would never expect to have a conversation about their sex life. But it was almost the minute they walked through the door, they just were able to dump their baggage and talk openly and honestly and I think it provided that space for people to do that and obviously at the parties where you're passing around sex toys and people have got alcohol as well even more inhibitions were kind of let go so I kind of realized at that point how much I loved talking to other people about sex and their sex lives or their hang-ups or whatever
1: Um, so sorry, I just want to get um some clarification for our non-UK listeners. Could you just tell us what yeah. is Anne Summers and what is an Anne Summers party?
0: <laughs> so Anne Summers is um a chain of stores in the UK that sell sex toys, sex aids, lingerie, um, lube, that sort of thing. And the parties um, I I used to go around with a, a suitcase of um, vibrators and sex toys and lube so flavored lubes. It was the most fun, and if I could make a living out of it, I would still be doing it now. I absolutely loved every single person I spoke to. It was just the most fun. It was sometimes it was hen parties, sometimes it was you know a bunch of middle aged women sometimes a grandmother would come along which was always
1: awesome and I just want to dive into so you said that there were people who surprised you with like coming out and talking openly about sex can you like give us a picture like you you just mentioned like a grandmother or a (laughs) middle-aged woman
0: (laughs) yeah well the more the more drinks they had inside them the more they would sort of delve into their history and their own experiences and obviously everybody's different but um it, it it was a, a more the most open and honest space I think that I've ever experienced um and and sometimes it was it was absolutely hilarious because like I said when 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 a bunch of women have got drinks inside them you know <laughs> they're, they're sometimes more than happy to share some things that you wouldn't expect and one of the favorite um one of the favorite kind of games I suppose you could call it was used to pass a vibrator around and tell them to put it on the edge at the tip of their nose because that um that's a sensitive area so it was was, you know how they could yeah how they could experience what it might feel like somewhere else (laughs) and um that would that would just always dissolve in in, in people just dissolving in a fit of giggles um it was just yes it was so much fun so People then, when I when I was working for Anne Summers, I think people started to recognise that I was kind of one of those people that they could go to for just to talk, really. Mm-hmm. I suppose, um, and they might not have had that in their lives before. And over time, people started coming to me for advice, and I, you know, I needed to make it clear then and now that I'm not, you know, I'm not qualified to give sexual health advice. I can I, I can advise as far as you know, you need to go and see somebody about this, or you need to talk to somebody about this but um people would start coming to me for kind of tips and stuff and and one day <laughs> excuse me my partner just said you should be being paid for this and I this was about 10 years ago and I thought you know what kind of yeah but it's taken me this long to actually um do something about it and then, so now I'm kind of
1: starting on my journey to to do that I'm so glad that you are cuz you definitely seem so passionate about the topic but I know that taking that step to to actually get there it's a huge deal there's a lot you have to overcome mm-hmm. and that that's a whole other podcast in fact we covered a lot of that on the success um episode uh, season of this podcast mm. <laughs> maybe that can go and give you some yeah. inspiration <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i'll go and have a listen but um as far as my own upbringing um I was very lucky. I both of my parents, my parents divorced when I was 11. Um, but both of my parents were very relaxed about conversations about sex and bodies. So we were kind of raised, my brother and I were kind of raised um, to not be shy to, to talk about certain things. I mean, obviously, there's some subjects like I, I think um, Phil touched on when his dad tried to have uh, a conversation with him about sex, he was like, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there were some things that you'd think, you know, as a as a teenager that you go, I don't really want to speak to my parents about this. But on the whole, nothing was off limits. Nothing was really that awkward. Um, we were, you know, we were raised to be quite relaxed about that. So I consider myself really lucky because I could have the conversations at home that I wasn't necessarily getting from the the educational you know the curriculum
1: mm-hmm. absolutely that's amazing I think you are definitely very lucky in that sense yeah. and that that probably leads you to be more in this in the right space to to do what you're trying to do now I think yes. yeah yeah I think you're right amazing so let's dive into the season you've listened to all three episodes so far and yeah. um you've got tons of notes to tell us so where <laughs> where do you want to start
0: where should we start? Well, I think the the common theme on all three of the episodes that I've listened to so far, every single one of them, and yourself included, mentioned how the first time we have sex is is always awkward, or it's never really good, or it's never you know figuring out a lot. Of shit. Expect- yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And this is why my kind of whole aim is to open up these conversations from a really young age and not just a one-off this is the sex conversation Mm. but an ongoing conversation because I think that if we can encourage um, open and honest communication then that first time is less likely to be awkward or shitty Mm. um, for want of a better word I think that you know people right from the very first time they have sex they should be able to communicate with their partner what they like, what they don't like, what feels uncomfortable. Because, you know, for some of us, the first time you have sex isn't the most comfortable time. Mm -hmm. Um, But we should be able to communicate that rather than just kind of getting through it and being like, well, that's the first time ticking the box done. Mm. Um, Does that make
1: sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think like we do, I think that this is something, again, that the media also puts a lot of uh, emphasis on is that, first times are usually awkward or like a box mm. that need to be ticked off. Yeah. And we, we're, not, we're not changing that dialogue. And I definitely no. agree with you that it's something that needs to be changed, for sure. What does that look like to you to normalize um, these conversations of sex? Well,
0: I mean, I think, you know, the first time a young couple have sex, for example, before they actually kind of jump into it, as it were, why can't they have conversations about, You know, have they explored their own bodies to know what makes them feel good? Are there any positions that they know already will make them feel uncomfortable? Maybe they've got a disability or maybe they are just not feeling great that day. You know, do they want to use lube? We kind of Mm -hmm. underestimate the power of lube and the importance of it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, young people should have that knowledge as much as, you know, it shouldn't just be something you kind of stumble across years later and go, oh, that's actually quite a good idea um that sort of thing just kind of being able to slow down have that sort of discussion so that when they get started it's a more pleasant
1: experience absolutely so I totally agree with that but let's backtrack it a little bit say that the how do these young people get to that point where they'll be able to say I'm comfortable having these conversations with my partner to be I just want to interrupt you listening for a brief second just to remind you to check out my social media pages. I'm on Instagram as Refreshingly Human Podcast and Facebook as Refreshingly Human. You can also check me out on LinkedIn as Hannah Pillow. And if you are enjoying the episode, please don't forget to take a screenshot of yourself listening to the episode and share it on your own social media. Don't forget to tag me so I can see that love for Refreshingly Human. Now I'll let you get back to the episode.
0: I think it all starts, I mean, first and foremost, it starts in the home, doesn't it? And one of my things is whilst I strongly believe that the curriculum should provide extensive and inclusive sex education, parents and carers, guardians shouldn't be relying on the school system to provide all the sex education. Likewise, they shouldn't be relying on social groups or porn. Um, You know, it's up to parents or carers to start these conversations from a young age. And this includes like consent. Consent is a really easy thing to start from a young age and it Mm -hmm. doesn't have to even be around sex. Um, So for example, one, one thing that I talk about quite a lot is if you're looking after a young child and you play like the tickle game, for example, if that child says, stop, stop, even if they're laughing, stop, ask them if they want to finish the game If they go, no, more, 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 which is what my nephews do, then that's them giving you consent to tickle them again. Mm. And what that does is it it gives them ownership of their own body. And another thing is, like, um, we've all been to family reunions or family events where we've had to hug and kiss every relative, even if we'd never met them or we've only (laughs) seen them, like, once when we were, you know, a baby or whatever. But we, why should kids be forced to hug people mm-hmm. they don't know? And so, if a child expresses in any way that they don't really want to hug great aunt Mildred or whatever, then that is that's their right, and they shouldn't be forced to do that just to be polite. Sorry, that's go on.
1: so interesting that you mentioned that because my <laughs> uh, husband's um, sister's kid, uh, they raising her very much in that way, and it's 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 a new. I would say it's a new thing because I also like. Obviously, I raised. I was raised in a family where you are forced to give hugs and kisses, and my nephews, yeah. my my brothers, used to hate it uh, <coughs> as as little boys. So now, like when I'm with my niece um, or my husband's niece and. Uh, I'm so used to just hugging and kissing kids, but it's <laughs> kind of like now I'm kind of like, so do you want me to hug you? Can I hug you? Can I give you a kiss? Yeah, and it's always up to her if she wants it or not. And sometimes she does, sometimes she doesn't. But it's uh, <laughs> I think it's a very important thing to train from yeah. a young age. Yeah,
0: and and I think if they have they feel that they have that ownership of their body and they mm-hmm. are in control of um, you know what they are comfortable with, for example from that age then when it does come to having conversations with a a first sexual partner or you know whatever they're gonna feel more in control to do that Mm -hmm. so that's just kind of one area of how actually starting these conversations young they don't have to be overly sexual they don't have to go into the you know ins and outs of intercourse or whatever Mm -hmm. literally um they they just they can start as simple as that but it's about providing the young people with that control and ownership
1: yeah no definitely uh, conversations about um consent I think I think what you're saying is so important as well it's not just conversations but it's consent in practice from a young age yeah which is what's yeah. important and um I love that you're talking about how this can be done in the home. And I definitely think that we need a lot more resources for parents and caregivers um, when it comes Mm. to dealing with these things from home. They need the resources. They need maybe a coursework or something. So like in the episode that I just um, recently launched with this UK teacher, uh, Mm -hmm. we talked about how they need to have like, qualified sex ed teachers in school because they yes. right right now in the uk it's like anyone your maths teacher can teach you about sex and it's like why yeah you know like the maths teacher had to go and get qualified to teach maths but he can just come it, and talk about sex
0: absolutely <laughs> we i always joke that it was the P teacher that i remember our sex ed was by the p teacher and it just felt like he got the short straw in the staff room yeah um you know he there was no no desire to be there talking to a bunch of teenagers about sex ed. and you know, and and it showed when, you know um, certain stu- uh, friends of mine asked questions, um perfectly reasonable questions, and and that's what sex ed should be. It should be a space where people can ask questions. And he couldn't answer them and he froze and you know he blushed and it was Mm -hmm. a a horrible experience for him I'm sure um but what you were saying about parents being provided with resources one of the things that I would really like to do and this this actually this light bulb moment only came to me in a previous podcast that I was recording with somebody and um she actually said to me you could you could do this sort of stuff for parents you could provide webinars or Uh, workshops for parents Um, and with with everything kind of going online now I mean zoom is like the the perfect place to provide that kind of um, service to parents or carers because if they want to be anonymous they can they can switch their mic off they can uh, they can switch their um, video off so that you don't they can even give themselves a fake name (laughs) So it's not like turning up in a village hall with a bunch of mums from the from the school gates that they see every day. It's not going to you know, it doesn't have to be awkward. It can. But yeah, so that's something that actually is kind of brewing in my head at the moment.
1: Absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to talk to you more about that offline because I've got tons of resources that can help you get started because I'm also oh, currently brilliant. developing a course of my own. So I'll, I'll help you out Thank there. Thank
0: you. Thank no you worries. so much.
1: No worries. Always like I think for me when I see someone who's so passionate about something and they've got that that skill set I'm like I want to be behind this. <laughs>
0: it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to it.
1: No worries. So any other trends that you want to talk about that you picked up from the season?
0: yeah, um one of my one of my um not favorite moments that sounds wrong, but my um one that really pinged out to me was I think it was Phil uh, in the second episode, and he said that he never saw his parents being affectionate with each other. He later found out that actually they had quite a good sex life and they were obviously <laughs> you know quite fond of each other but he never saw that. And one thing that I remember from my upbringing, even though my parents divorced when I was 11, when it was good for them, like when they were in a good place in their relationship, when we were kind of much younger, we would always see them kissing and cuddling, just having a cuddle in the kitchen or nothing, you know, nothing overly intimate, but just a hug or a kiss or whatever. And, I think that that was really healthy for us to see because now, obviously, in, in our own relationships, we aspire to have that kind of healthy love, that affectionate love. Um, you know, it's not it's not taboo in any way. So mm-hmm. um, I think kids seeing their parents, if their parents are in love, then kids should should be able to see that, I think. And I think that's healthy and that will help them develop healthy relationships of their own
1: no so that was
0: one thing that really pinged out for me Mm
1: -hmm. um yeah I mean I think that it's it's such a it's such a cultural thing from those from I guess like from that generation because it's it's kind of similar in my my background but
0: hmm.
1: I think not to that extreme I did like I did see my mom and dad I could definitely tell that they were in love with each other and you know um, yeah I could see at least that much but um, Mm. (laughs) there's kind of like a funny thing in in my own culture just just to give a brief insight to this but it's kind of like we don't talk about sex we not open about sex but the minute I got Mm. married into the culture like when I was married back back in South Africa the only thing that people would talk about was sex.
0: Like, they were
1: like on the other side of things, people were fucking crazy about (laughs) sex. And so it was like that was getting married
0: was your kind of initiation yes. to being allowed into that world. Into the sex club, basically. Yeah, the sex club. <laughs> so you mentioned, I think, in your first episode with Kathy, you mentioned that there was going to be a Hannah episode where there you del- delve into this. And I am so, ex- I am here for that. <laughs> I'm so excited.
1: Yeah, it's, it's going to be juicy. <laughs> mm.
0: What I did love um, about you, kind of your your kind of take on things and and you were so honest and one of the things you were really honest about was how um you're not sure if you want to have kids and actually the thought of being pregnant scares you and I actually think that this is something that should be talked about more because it's almost like you know we're expected or we think we're expected to get to a certain age and then have babies mm mm-hmm get married have babies blah 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 and mm-hmm. i'm i'm glad that the world is changing a little bit where it's not quite as expected but i still think there is amongst you know young people there is that kind of pressure pressure yeah and i don't i don't want kids i'm not maternal in that way in, at all mm-hmm. part of the reason is that i really don't like the idea of being pregnant and <laughs> like like you said like scary shout out to all the women that go through that but it's not it's not for me um but i think that should be that sort of conversation should be normalized as well i think young people should understand that if that's not what you want that's okay
1: there are enough Mm. humans on this planet it's fine if you don't want to add to them you know what and it's something that someone else mentioned as well it's like not everyone is meant to be a parent and I think that is so important as well, yeah. because like you said, you admitted you're not a maternal person. Now, <laughs> in, in my culture, and, and women were actually forced to have kids, whether they wanted to be a mm-hmm. mom or not. It was just like you said, it was just expected of them. And they were just told like, OK, it's time to have kids now, like get off the mm-hmm. pole. They were just expected to do it. And wow. they didn't have that choice to say, I, did, I didn't want kids, I'm not maternal. And, yeah. you know, it's it's definitely, like, I'm a very maternal person, I can tell you that. And I definitely want kids and a family. I just don't know if I want to have a kid naturally. Like, I might mm. have just one naturally, but I'm definitely up for adoption. Yeah. Um, that's like, that's definitely on the plan for my husband and I. Uh, but na- having kids naturally is still a big doubt in my head.
0: Mm. <laughs> And and you know I think it's okay that we discuss that it's a scary, you know, it's a scary thought, and it's you know, not that we want to fear fearmonger in any way, but also like you said, if if people are in certain cultures are expected that you get to a certain age, you get married and you have you have babies, mm-hmm. how like scary would that be to go from a ch- being a child or being a you know, just a kind of carefree young person to creating and carrying life.
1: We, we don't understand how much of a responsibility it is, I think, like, mm. until it happens, you know. Um, it's it's something for me as well. Like, I went through that pressure and I was like, I went through this whole baby hype where I thought I wanted to be pregnant and then uh, thankfully it wasn't happening for me. Uh, and then I went, uh, and then I went, did a full 130, 360 degrees and I was like, no, I don't want kids anymore, Uh, not not right now, like there's no room in my life right now for kids, I I actually love my life as it is right now, I'm not ready. And I actually only became very comfortable with that decision when I spoke to an older mom uh, and she was like, there's room in this world for everyone, there's room in the world for late moms, there's room in the world for young moms, there's room in the world for people who don't want kids, it just depends yeah. what you want, and she was mm-hmm. so happy with her decision being an older mom. And I was like, "Why the hell am I trying to rush this? If I'm not ready, yeah. I'm not ready." Mm.
0: No, that's yeah, that's that's great advice.
1: That's yeah. really good advice. Yeah, yeah. So it was actually uh, but- a lady who did my hair in that picture that you liked. Um oh. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was a lady who was doing my hair. <laughs> She's
0: obviously a very wise person. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I mean these again conversations it should be normalized and you're doing a great job to to get the ball rolling on that I think um because I wonder how many people do kind of admit to being anxious scared terrified Mm -hmm. um in certain situations obviously pregnancy and birth being one of them
1: yeah I mean it's spoken about like I think it's kind of like inner circles where it's spoken about because like I know like people <clears throat> close to me have admitted that they were scared or that um you know I've heard the birthing stories I've heard I've heard details that I can't probably do without knowing yeah. <laughs> you know I think I know what you're talking <laughs> <Yeah>. about <laughs> and it's like like I, I was telling my husband like I cannot imagine having to get stitches down there and not being able mm. to walk and like, it's just, it just sounds Do you know what, what
0: terrifies me, me about that whole thing?
1: The first poo after giving birth. Oh my God. Like the
0: thought of that just, oh my God. no, no. And that's, you know, that's the type of thing that a lot of, a lot of um, new parents that I have spoken to have said, nobody told me about that. Nobody no. told me about that. So um, one thing that you just touched on briefly um, about learning things through social groups rather than kind of formally, And I think um, in, uh, was it Kevin in episode three said, was his name Kevin?
1: No, not Kevin. No, who was in episode three? Dan, Dan in episode three. (laughs) I don't know where I got Kevin
0: from. Sorry, Dan. Um, He touched on um, how, you know, talking about things like politics, sex, and subjects that we once kind of considered something you don't speak about in polite company should be discussed more openly in, in social groups. And, you know, my social groups, some of them we talk about stuff like that, some of them we don't. Obviously, they're all a little bit different, but I actually think what you discuss in your social groups can be as much and as an important an education as what you learn in school and as what you learn from your parents or carers. So actually, those conversations that you have in your social groups, that's where you're most likely to get the honest you know, the mm. nitty gritty stuff that you do need to know, or, or is useful to know that you wouldn't necessarily get in a classroom.
1: No, absolutely. Yeah, I was actually just speaking to a friend last night who messaged me about the current season. And he was saying how how he really likes some of the content. Uh, and was talking, we were talking about, Being open with our friends about sex, and Mm. I was kind of like, for me, it's kind of like a prerequisite that my friends need to be open with with me, and they they just need to know that Hannah is always going to be talking about sex. Deal (laughs) with it. (laughs) And when I told my friends I'm doing a season on sex, they were like, "Yeah, that sounds right." (laughs) That sounds right. (laughs) I
0: think I'm probably the friend in that that group. I'm the one that, yeah, I'm the kind of I'm the Hannah in
1: my own group. i like that yeah so it's it's kind of like um i know that in i've noticed i think in england people are a bit more reserved and a bit more held back when it comes to talking about sex but yeah but the moment like with me the moment i they get used to me and my way of talking about it they happy to jump on board and i feel like it kind of relaxes them a little bit more to Mm. see see you being easy about it
0: yeah, I definitely think that it only takes one person to um, get the ball rolling. And and I, I recently took part in a podcast for um, Bristol University students. And they sort of said how, what advice would you give, you know, people of that age? and And I said that if you are that person that is really happy to have those conversations, make sure your social group know that because until they know, there's always questions that people have or things that they just want to talk through maybe an experience from the night before or you know something that's been yeah. playing on their mind for a while but without if you don't know who is happy to have that conversation then you know you're always going to be worried about bringing it up whereas if you know right from the off yeah, you know, Hannah's the person to go to if you want an open conversation about sex. <laughs> they will, you know, that's automatically that's a weight off their shoulders because mm-hmm. they know who they can go to if they want to say, Look, this happened. What are your thoughts? Has it ever happened to you? And just be being able to say, Has this ever happened to you? is so important because, you know, we we there's so many things that we feel so alone about because they're not talked about, mm-hmm. but actually. If you did a straw poll, everybody has experienced it in some way. It's but you so, don't know that
1: until we talk it, about it. It's so much like mental health, isn't it? It's like we, if we don't normalize mental health and we didn't start talking about it, we wouldn't know that everyone's going through similar things. Mm. It's exactly the same with sex, it's, isn't it? Exactly and the same. With exactly my same. experience of people coming in to speak to me about sex, a lot of the time um, they want to know they they want to know that they didn't do something wrong as well because um you know i uh, i think you've also noticed from the from the current season that we've spoken a lot about religious guilt related to sex so a lot of people have come to me with like oh like maybe one night stands and feeling guilty and mm. i'm like why are you feeling guilty did you do you think you did something wrong did you enjoy yeah. it was it consensual yes. <laughs> was it good Do you really think you did something wrong, (laughs) you know? Mm. And they just want that reassurance that they didn't do something wrong in that case.
0: And also, you know, reassurance that everybody's, um, how everybody views sex, what their relationship with sex is different. And that's Mm. okay. There isn't that like a one size fits all. So like Cassie in episode one was talking about how for her, it's quite a sacred thing. It's an art which I, I loved how she described it. And I loved how she sees her connection with her sexual partner. I think that's amazing for her. But actually, also, there's nothing wrong with a one night stand. Like you said, if you enjoyed it and it was consensual, it doesn't have to be a sacred thing. If it's, not, if it's not for you, if it's just for the sheer fun of it, that is also fine. So I think, you know, certainly within religion, uh, you know, re- strong religious faith, you are gonna get that element of guilt because it, it teaches you that sex is is this and it fits into this box, um, when actually
1: there are no boxes. There yeah. are. And and yeah, I mean and that's the thing. It's kind of like what works for you. Like if you're the type of person who likes to have multiple partners and you enjoy yeah. it and you're doing it safely and you're doing it mm-hmm. with consent, that's yep. that's fine. Um there's nothing wrong with that but if you're the kind of person who likes to be in a monogamous relationship who likes to have one Absolutely. partner who's enjoying that well safely yeah. that's fine too you there, know? there
0: there is somebody for everybody and I think that's the important thing is is you know there's whole communities and you know you, you don't have to put yourself into a little box and mm. and you know if you want to experiment like you said, if you're safe and it's consensual, go for your life, have a great time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I don't know, I I guess I'll get more into it into my episode, but I've never had that experimenting phase. And I don't know if it's something I would have done or if it's something mm. I would have wanted to do. Because um, I'm actually really, really happy and content with my life right now. <laughs> and uh, So I don't know, like, if that was ever something I would have, I don't know if that would have been for me mm. but I know what I like right now and I know what yeah. what works for me right now
0: and I think that's that's the important thing is it's working right now and that's mm-hmm. amazing and it might work forever or mm. you might hit kind of I don't even know how old you are but you might hit 50 let's go with 50 cuz I know okay. you're definitely not 50 you might hit 50 <laughs> and all of a sudden have this urge to try something new and like your um your friend was saying about motherhood or or parenthood you know, there's there's space for people that want to be in a, a monogamous relationship forever. There's space for people that actually want to try different things and different mm-hmm. kind of relationships. But there's also space for people that get to 50, get to 60 and go, you know what? I've not tried this. I'm going to give it a go. Now's as good a time as any. <laughs> and I think that's the important thing. We don't have to put ourselves, we don't have to pigeonhole ourselves. We can... We can go with the flow for what works for us right now, and if that works forever, great. If it doesn't, there's other things that you know we can try and do. And yeah, um, it's like you know, I, I was listening to a podcast recently about sexuality, and I, um, I've I've always kind of been a bit—I don't want to use the word confused because that that sounds negative—but I've always been kind of unsure about what box to put myself in sexuality-wise because I'm not straight. I I'm not gay I'm not bi doesn't feel quite right and one thing that this person said in her in in their podcast was um they went with queer because mm-hmm. that meant that that they didn't actually have to explain anything because it kind of is
1: all the boxes ticked
0: it kind of is yeah it can, it can be any all or none of the boxes mm-hmm. it doesn't need an explanation um so i quite liked that and i think that's and 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 the importance of that being fluid that you don't just because you feel a certain way right now doesn't necessarily mean you'll feel that way in 10 20 30 one yeah. year's time
1: absolutely it's um it's a spectrum isn't it it's, it's absolutely change.
0: yeah yeah and i th- and i think these are again these are things that young people should be raised understanding or at least mm-hmm. feeling comfortable with so they don't feel like they have to pigeonhole themselves they don't feel like if they come out as a certain they have thing, to stick to that they yeah. have to stick to it um and you know i i hear a lot about um people feeling guilt with their sexuality because they come out as something mm-hmm. and then further down the line they have an experience actually doesn't necessarily fit into that box and then they feel like a fraud <laughs> that's ridiculous that's you know it shouldn't be about
1: getting yeah. it right or wrong yeah that that's true it's actually um i don't know if you've watched the bull type on netflix
0: yeah, so oh ca- I think I watched the first series I haven't watched all of them I'm so obsessed with it <laughs> <laughs> One of my friends is really obsessed with it at the moment
1: But yeah the main one of the main characters, there spoilers alert for anyone who hasn't finished all four seasons um, <laughs> But one of the main characters on there she goes through that whole process of trying to figure out which box mm. she fits in and by the end she kind of realises that she identifies as Bi, but she also, they showed that whole guilt thing of like you know mm. switching switching boxes and yeah. you know and and like the community may be frowning the lesbian community may be frowning on them but that didn't actually happen in the yeah. series it kind of was just like people were like fine with it we're like you know what it's fine yeah that's
0: <laughs> and, absolutely yeah and that's why that's why inclusive sex ed is so important because you know we need to eliminate these rigid
1: boxes because they don't
0: it, it's it's not healthy to feel like you have to live up to that I
1: suppose Mm -hmm. it's all of yeah you know what on this podcast it's all about eliminating boxes like um, Mm. totally off the topic of sex but just something I need to vent about a little bit (laughs) is that I I keep being asked where am I really from because of my skin color so if Mm -hmm. if you ask me where I'm from and I say I'm from South Africa I keep getting asked no but where are you really from Mm. and that's so rude I know it's so rude, and it's like they want me to say I'm Indian, and I'm I mm. I'm I'm I have Indian heritage, but I'm South African. I brought born, brought up, grown in South Africa. I do not mm. relate to India India culture, and yeah. the people who actually ask me this, they have follow up questions like, oh, do you have any of the Indian culture? Did you take any of the Indian culture with you? And I'm like. How the fuck do I answer that question? I'm br- I'm born and brought up in South Africa. I've yeah. never been to India in my life. How the fuck do I answer that question? Yeah. And then this uh, this guy asked me the other day. He's like, "Do you um do you have any of the yoga culture in you?" And I'm like, "What the fuck? What what? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like wow. That's I, yeah. I can't. I mean, there's
0: being there's there's. I, I wonder if you know. Do they think that they're just showing an interest and that's being polite or?
1: Are I think it's very ignorant no I think yeah, it's, it's very so much ignorance like yeah. maybe they are curious and showing an interest but it's complete ignorance because yeah nobody is from where the color of their skin is anymore like yeah okay some people are a lot of people are but we live in a world many where, people yeah where people are from different countries all the time you know like there's yeah. there's Indians living in America mm-hmm. that are gro- grown up and brought up and and that identify as American. There's Indians that identify as South African. There's Indians that identify as British, and you know, you you can't put them put people in those rigid boxes as well. No,
0: and I think you know, if you if you wanted to go into that level of conversation with someone, that should be led by you, not by yes. Them.
1: And and you know um, what, this is something you learn from people organically by getting to know them as a person. You get yeah. to know um what kind of culture they have behind them what kind mm. of culture they grew up with who they are now you get yeah. to know these things organically you don't force it when yeah. you just meet somebody that's kind of rude yeah. i think I, yeah
0: i think you're right i think you're you're absolutely right <laughs> but
1: anyway yeah. let's get back to yeah. sex <laughs> sorry i needed to vent that no, that just happened like it. the other day and i was like it's like gnawing on my head <laughs> yeah
0: it's all it's almost like it, it devalues your South African my identity yeah Ident- yeah identity that's that's a good word um yeah. and that's not if that's that's who you are and and yeah. how you've lived your life up to this point yeah. that is that's all they need to know exactly
1: well let's get back to sex um yeah. sorry sorry <laughs> about that audience I needed to vent <laughs> so let's get your back podcast <laughs> um yeah let's get back into it what other Mm -hmm. common themes did you want to bring up
0: I'm just looking at my extensive list right now (laughs) (laughs) I did I did love it when Phil was talking about how his dad once tried to make a token gesture and it was just like nope um I wonder how many that that must be happening daily where a parent thinks shit I've not spoken to my kid about sex and they're now getting to an age where i'm pretty sure they're going to be you know trying to find information i should do this and um somebody asked me the other day what how i thought the best way to have a to have a conversation about um sex or relationships or whatever bodies with young people was and i think what we need to remember about you know i don't know if how what your teenage years were like but i remember as a teenager you know, that's a period of anxiety. It's a period of self-consciousness. So the last thing a teenager wants is somebody to sit down face-to-face and just go, right, we're talking about sex. That's, you know, that's quite uncomfortable. So if you're, if you up to this point haven't had an ongoing conversation, like I said, I was raised in a, a a family that where we kind of the conversations were ongoing so we didn't really need that specific moment but one of the best ways to kind of initiate conversation and you can't just jump right in there you kind of have to build that confidence and that level of trust but is to to start a conversation where you're side by side so maybe you're in the car or maybe you're um sat at a table but side by side or cooking so because eye contact can be quite scary with with certain Mm. conversations and rather than jumping straight into we're going to talk about sex now talk about their social groups so ask them about their friends ask them about their friends you know are their friends starting to have relationships build on it gradually by by getting your young person to open up about their kind of social groups and what they're experiencing every day you're going to build on that trust and and gradually, hopefully, they will feel more comfortable to open up about certain things. So I think that that would be my like, and especially after what Phil said about his his dad, which was quite funny the way he said it. But actually, you know, it's happening in every home. So yeah,
1: I, yes. I actually never got any talk. I'm going to get to that in my <laughs> episode, but I never got any talk at all. Not even uh, yeah. let me try and talk to my daughter about sex. Not even really. Nope, nothing. <laughs>
0: wow and that's I mean well that's the other end of the scale isn't it Mm -hmm. um it it, it, there needs to be kind of some middle ground where (laughs) you know it's not kind of the most awkward moment of your life but it also shouldn't be non-existent either Mm -hmm. yeah yeah
1: yeah I mean definitely um I think that I think that you would do so well in like creating some sort of online course and awareness for parents on how to how to bring this topic up with their kids because it's uh, it's definitely something we need education on. Yeah, you know. Yeah,
0: I think I think you're right, and I think you know a lot of um, a lot of parents and carers they don't they deliberately avoid the conversation or bury their head in the sand mm-hmm. um, because they don't know how to just even start, and you know. From from their point of view, that's got to be quite scary as well, because they know that their young person at some point is probably going to start experimenting or is going to start becoming curious. The last thing any of us wants is for you know the younger generations to be learning from porn, because we yeah. all know that that's not a good idea. Yeah. Um, but I mean, and and the type of conversations as well. So like, um, was it was it Phil that said? he mentioned that his libido wasn't all that high, Mm -hmm. um, but he was kind of, culture raises people to think that, you know, certainly amongst men, that their libido, should want sex all the time. And actually, (laughs) that's not not true. Again, (laughs) it's another box. It's another kind of pigeonhole that we expect, you know, men to want sex all the time. And actually, like he said, he didn't. And nobody kind of told him that that was okay
1: as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like so proud of him for being able to talk about these things so openly mm. now, because people need to hear that. Like they really yeah. do. Yeah. You, yeah.
0: you need, you always need somebody to relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important. And, and um, you know, you were saying about how nobody ever spoke to you about sex until you were initiated into the sex club, as you, as you put it. When you get until <laughs> so I
1: rubbed the band aid off and I'm like, yeah. now nah, you
0: can have sex. <laughs> but I think what we forget is that sex, in some form or another, is all around us. The media use it. It's in films. It's it's you're seeing more and more graphic scenes in in t on TV, which, by the way, I'm completely fine with. But what, what the problem there is, is that young people know that adults or older people like to have sex. They know that it's for a lot of us, it's good fun. And that a lot of us, the majority of us at some point have sex just for the pleasure of it, not to make babies. Um, so they know that there's this fun side, but nobody's talking to them about it. So mm. one of the things that you know, I know you're speaking to somebody about the the sex ed curriculum, and the sec- and and that has been updated. The guidelines for um, the curriculum have been modernised, and to a certain extent, they are a lot better than they were. But there's still such a long way to go. And one of the the areas that is still lacking in the new guidelines for sex ed in schools is pleasure and the subject of pleasure and masturbation. And mm. pleasure is. I think, the most important part of sex. Yeah. If you're not enjoying it, why are you doing it? So, again, it comes down to teaching young people to be able to have these conversations about what they enjoy. Mm -hmm. And quite often, they will learn about what they enjoy through experimenting on themselves. And that is fine. And um, I can't remember if it was Phil or Dan, but they were saying about the guilt that they would feel when they were going through these cycles of watching porn masturbating and then afterwards once they'd kind of got that urge out the way feeling like oh I feel a bit you know a bit icky they shouldn't that shouldn't be a thing Mm -hmm. you know it's
1: yeah yeah I mean I I think that definitely also religion and culture play a part in this as well Mm. which is um yeah I was I was gonna go back a little bit back to the talking about parents talking to the kids about Mm. sex and I kind of wonder do you think that it's that the parents themselves also need to normalize sex in their own lives because Mm. I think that if we are feeling rigid about sex and feeling like it's something scary to talk about then there's something in our own lives we need to look at with our own relationships to sex um, yeah before we can even talk to our kids about it
0: I do and I think you know the the great thing about my my mum is that she, if I asked her about her sex life, she would tell me. <laughs> I like that. Uh, and you know, it it was it, it wasn't even I can't ever remember it being uncomfortable. And she, yeah, I think because of that, I've got a healthy a healthier relationship with sex than say somebody that didn't ever see their parents being affectionate it was almost denied that after the babies were made they had sex that sort of thing so yeah i do think it should be normalized and i think young people should and especially as their parents get older we have to remember that old people still enjoy sex and a lot of what we class as elderly people into their 70s and 80s are still enjoying sex and that's really important sex doesn't stop at 30 or 40 or whatever Mm -hmm. age and so i think you know for parents that have stayed together or if you've got parents that have remarried I think that it's you know it's okay to understand and know that your parents are probably still hopefully having having sex and hopefully having a fulfilling sex life Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I'm not saying that everybody really wants to think about that but (laughs) it's just that kind of acceptance
1: yeah I mean it's it's just natural right I mean I think that we How do, you do you have to <laughs> exactly. I think we definitely have to change the way we look at sex. Like, yeah, I feel like it's a whole deprogramming for some of us. Yeah. Uh, I know it was for me because I I grew mm. up with a lot of very rigid um, boxes of sex, and yeah. I I was never actually thought that sex was like you said pleasurable or good. It was just like a textbook thing that you had to do to make a baby, basically. Yeah, um, that you could only do with your husband. Mm. Um, and you you
0: mentioned about. Um religion and culture i'm i'm looking forward to hearing your episode with the the educator because whilst you know i i of course i think i mean it, it needs to be inclusive and i think we need to be very respectful and mindful of the the different cultures that might be in in any given classroom but by the same token those people are still you know they still deserve
1: to, to have the knowledge, it, to it's to have
0: the information, it's a yeah.
1: tricky conversation, and um, but yeah, it's it's such a tricky thing to navigate because, um, I think you're probably aware of the amount of hype and um, protests that came about mm-hmm. in the UK just when we introduced learning about the LGBTQ community, yeah, in schools, yeah. it was crazy, mm-hmm. and that was because of religious, um, and cultural differences. Yes. And The thing is. These people are allowed to opt out of having their kids in those mm. lessons. They had that option, but they were still protesting.
0: <laughs> yeah. And and it's it's it kind of scares me that they can opt opt out because but I think by denying young people the information, either to make informed decisions for their own future or to be able to come to terms with who they are and, and how they identify there there has to be a balance i don't i don't know what it is and i Mm. like said i'm i will be listening to to that episode um because yeah there's got to be some
1: yeah some middle ground it's really hard to do it without i would say i would think without pissing someone off because i because coming from those cultures i know how rigid they can be about things like homosexuality for example Mm -hmm. um you know, uh, I, I was brought up in that culture where you were kind of like you hate. You had to hate it. You couldn't even you couldn't mm. even tolerate it. You had to hate it. You had to think it was mm-hmm. wrong. It was evil. Mm. So I can see that it's going to be a huge struggle to imp- implement this in schools, mm. you know. Yes. Yeah. And, and it definitely needs to be implemented for sure. Yeah. So one thing
0: that is really good about the new um sex ed guidelines is that, um the LGBTQ information and conversation has to be ongoing throughout the kind of the -hmm. sex ed lessons rather than just this is the lesson about being gay or this is the lesson about LGBT. It's got to be an ongoing...
1: And I mean, how exactly do people plan to hide... LGBTQ information from the kids it's everywhere it's 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 on the internet it's on in the media how exactly yeah. are they planning to hide it i would love to know that
0: <laughs> yeah well this is i mean this is the same with everything isn't it if they don't if they don't learn it from schools from their parents from their social groups the next place to go is porn because porn is all over the internet completely free but a lot of it is not good um mm. you know we won't go into the um, ethical ethical side of things but you know some of the things that you see on on porn is fine for enhancing your already healthy sex life yeah but it's not good as an educational tool in any way and in fact
1: Mm. some of the stuff I've seen on porn would terrify me (laughs) if I was it it could be I was just gonna say it could definitely scare or put people off um, Mm. sex if, if they if they're not you know, coming from a place of no information, yeah. it can be a scary way to learn about sex. Yes,
0: yeah, exactly. So I think it's... it's we, we need to make sure that we enable young people to have the skills and the information they need to make informed choices, to make safe choices, to make choices that are going to fulfil them. I mean, mm. that's as important as anything else. Um, you know... And the only way we can do that is if we having conversations like this.
1: Absolutely. I just realized that we are almost at the end of our hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone so quick. I know, it really has. Do, do you have any um, final things you want to add in before we start wrapping up?
0: I think I'd just like to go back to if you are that person in your social group that, you know, enjoys these conversations, is happy for other people to come to you, Um, you know even as as far as are you the person that that you're happy for people to come out to you for example that Mm -hmm. sort of thing are you happy for people to say this happened to me last night and I'd like to know if it happens to anybody else anything like that if you are that person put your hand up and make sure they know that you're that person because it's only when people know that they are gonna start opening up and and that's how we open up the conversation isn't it
1: I love that. That's beautiful. Um, so I put my hand up in my social group. I think they already all know that. But Same. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Amazing. So I like to ask a few um, shot fire questions at the end of the episode so we can get to know the human behind Leanne. Um, okay. Yeah. So can you tell us in one word uh, how would you describe yourself? I think I'm pretty passionate. Pretty passionate. That's good. I like that. Mm. Pretty passionate is good. Two words, but it works. <laughs> <laughs> and what is the one thing in your life you could not live? You could not live without books. Oh, nice. Yeah. What is your favorite food?
0: Oh, I love I love food. Um, <gasps> I
1: love that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh
0: God, that's that's also really difficult. Um, well, if I'm just looking for a snack, chicken nuggets all the way. Okay, um as far as like a, a meal is concerned, um I really love a, a good chinese really okay
1: mm. I'm not a big fan of chinese actually i been amazing. we've
0: we've got an amazing Chinese restaurant where I live, and that's like that is our once a month treat
1: oh that's good nice, amazing <laughs> well yeah so Leanne can you tell my listeners where we can find you because I'm sure a lot of people would want to come and find you now
0: yeah well currently um I'm like I said I'm just kind of starting out on this journey and it is a passion project at the moment and I'm just looking to open up the conversation provide advice where I can but obviously I'm not not a professional at this stage um But the best place to find me is over on my Instagram page. And the handle for that is at Lee underscore sex positive. So Lee is spelled L-E-A, the first three letters of Leanne, underscore sex positive.
1: Amazing. We'll pop that into the show notes as well. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Leanne. It was so fun. And I think it was really very informative as well. So good luck with your um, future journey in this. I I think it's going to be amazing. You definitely are. Thank you pretty push, passionate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and thank you so much for having me.
1: I have re- really loved it. Ah, amazing. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Refreshingly Human with myself, Hannah Pillow. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, don't forget to share it with a friend you think would enjoy the content as well. You can also leave me a review on iTunes or podchaser.com. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Refreshingly Human Podcast, Facebook as Refreshingly Human, and LinkedIn as Hannah Pillow. And I'll see you guys on the next episode.